Welcome to this week's edition of Taiwan Talk. I'm Hope Go. Earlier this year, a Netherlands-based academic publisher announced it would be releasing Taiwan's first-ever encyclopedia in response to what it called a growing demand for Taiwan-related information within the academic space. The encyclopedia, which is scheduled for release before the end of this year, covers 14 subjects, including history, archaeology, sociology, domestic politics, international relations, music, and literature. Leading the effort to pull this groundbreaking work together is Academia Sinica's Michael Xiao, who is also chairman of the Taiwan Asia Exchange Foundation. He joins us this week to discuss the genesis of Taiwan studies, the events that shaped it, and what inspired him to put this important piece of work together. So this Taiwan study was created as a reaction to the prevailing Sinology and Chinese studies, where Taiwan had no proper place to speak of a history. Taiwan history was completely hidden. So that's why Taiwan study wanted to develop an academic and intellectual enterprise so that Taiwan as a subject matter can be highlighted. It's an intellectual academic movement to make Taiwan study a legitimate study outside or beyond Chinese studies. While Taiwan studies wasn't formally recognized until the 1990s, Xiao says its foundations were laid in the 1980s. Well, that means that in 1980, people work on Taiwan study already. It doesn't come out from out of the blue, right? That means that people work for decades. Uh, I, For example, I came back to Taiwan in 1979. I began to work on Taiwan-related studies in sociological field. And many people like that in history work on political science and anthropology. It's the right moment. 1990 was the right moment. And think about that. 1987 was the lift of martial law. So I would say, if look back in retrospective, Taiwan study actually is a product and is also a joint force of Taiwan's democratization. Without democratization, I think the depths of Taiwan study will be much slower. Without a Taiwan study as a step stone, as a base, as a solid base for Taiwan democracy and, and Taiwan democracy come along with a new national identity, there will be lack of something. So Taiwan study can provide the, the Taiwan democracy with a historical intellectual base. So they, are, they, they, go, they went hand in hand together. Intellectual, you sometimes you need the politics. And also intellectual can help politics, good politics, not bad politics. You say you came back to Taiwan in the 1970s. What was it like for you? It must have been very difficult here at that time. I was born in Taiwan. I'm a Taiwanese. You know, I'm a seventh generation of Taiwanese. So when I went to study abroad and to Buffalo, New York, for my PhD was 74 to 79. So I came back, decided to come back and to line up here in Academy Seneca as an associate research fellow. And I also taught in National Taiwan University. It's a, it's a difficult time, but it's the best time. Because as a social scientist, you can witness the great change. And you also can, can find out what should be changed. It's not just to observe the changing. You need to advocate, you join the force. So for the first 10 years, I have been working on documenting, reporting, advocating 
and helping all kind of a civil society movement, from consumer movement, environmental movement, nuclear, new anti-nuclear power movement, women movement, conservation, and Aborigines. You know, I I I, I learn from them. I, uh, I I wrote I wrote about it and published about it and and. I answer all the questions from a journalist. Why? Why people protest? And then I give the legitimate answers. What was it like? Because even after martial law was lifted, I mean, everything was still a struggle. As an academic, as easier because uh, in this the society the, at that time the journalism, the media uh, are still somehow treasure. So they, and also we also find out there there are a movement within media too in the eighteen nineties. They want to be independent. They want to be they call journalist independence or journalist autonomy. And I think you had to be persistent, and you had to be consistent. Xiao says there is a difference between the way he perceives identity and the way those younger than him perceive the same concept. Well, I think it's very important as a Taiwanese, and I know all along I'm Taiwanese, right? But again, under the、uh, the KMT's industrialized education. We were trained call ourselves Chinese, and that time was not a big deal. When I returned to Taiwan in the eight, 1979, and then I remember there is a difference between being Chinese and being Taiwanese. And I, I have a search, search that I am Taiwanese. So through academic research, my reading, my reflection, that's why there is a term called 天然独 independence by nature. Natural independence. That means they were born to be independent. They were born to believe Taiwan should be independent. My generation, we were not born to believe Taiwan should be independent. We were born to be. We are all Chinese. We will conquer the People's Republic of China, and then we'll be unified in one China. But you had to go to the source, to soul searching. Academic. To be academic is a head advantage. We have an intellectual tool. We can study, we can research through reading and writing and reflecting. So I I found that this transition was、uh, very smooth, shifting from being a Chinese to Taiwanese. I don't mind to be ethnic Chinese because I speak Mandarin. I write Chinese poetry and music and painting. There's nothing wrong with.、It. But politically, no. Politically, I'm not Chinese. But culturally, linguistically, yes, I am ethnic. I have to add ethnic Chinese. You have to go through it. But for young people, they don't. They say, "Sure, this why? Why the old man? You you went through such a trouble to search. You don't need to search. We are Taiwanese, you know." Did you encounter any difficulties when you decided to put the encyclopedia together? No, no, no. This is after twenty twenty, right? So the encyclopedia is that's why it's the last piece to be found, to be made, to be created, to fill the circle of Taiwan studies. So no, no trouble. You were listening to Michael Shao, chairman of the Taiwan Asia Exchange Foundation, and that does it for this week's edition of Taiwan Talk. I'm Hope Go. Do join us again next time. Thank you for tuning in.